0: Detailed Radio Podcast. So should we do... Oh yeah, we're starting. Yeah, we're, we've started. We started a while ago. <laughs> Welcome yeah. to so episode... Seven? Maybe, I think, seven? It's eight. around seven-ish. Of radio. Maybe seven or eight... Detuned radio. Yeah how how was your uh, how was your Christmas since this episode is going to be posted? <laughs> uh, Christmas <laughs> was great. Uh, you get yeah. everything you wanted.
1: Yeah, I got a, a sweet uh, Lamborghini. Wife surprised oh, me.
0: Awesome, yeah. awesome, real sweet. <laughs> no, it is actually Thanksgiving weekend on this <laughs> <Yes>. end. <laughs> it is not December twenty seventh. Yeah, uh, we actually. Have, to, oh, good. Yeah, today is my dog's eighth birthday. Yay! So, so we uh, got him a cheeseburger.
1: Like a single?
0: No, like a, a got him a cheeseburger from McDonald's. Wow! <laughs> like, <laughs> he's and living the life.
1: You're not worried at all about that affecting?
0: Oh, uh... Uh, he's got an iron gut, man! I tell you what, he <laughs> <Okay>. is. <laughs> One time, one time, we brought him to like a church barbecue thing where they were cooking ribs, and he, <laughs> somebody dropped one, and like we couldn't find the bone anywhere. Oh, no. Like it was like it was missing, and then we never saw that bone again. Like we watched his stool for a while to make sure, mm. and like, nope, he's it's, It must have dissolved in his stomach or something. Easily, that worst, was also seven sir. years ago.
1: The worst thing about having an animal is having to deal with uh, you know poop and stuff. Uh, it's the worst. Uh, I love- also babies and babies. I, I would assume, yeah. Uh, our two cats, uh, I love them to death. But uh, every day when it is time to clean the litter box, I <laughs> I go, wow! I did not know that you could produce this much.
0: And, yes, uh, yeah. So I lived in Chicago with. A couple that had three cats, and then That's one of them too- ran away. Aww. Well, so two of the cats hi- were hiding all the time. Aww. There's only one cat that you saw, and one of the Heidi cats ran away, and so they got a new cat. <laughs> but then they found out that the hi- that the cat <laughs> never ran away.
1: Oh my God.
0: <laughs> she had she had been there the whole time. Was he like outdoor but- cats? No. How do you how do you lose a cat in the house for more than one day? Because you literally never saw hmm. this cat. So I lived there for four months. Wow. And so there were the, th- the two Heidi cats. There's one <clears throat> of them I saw twice and the other one I never saw. <laughs> but we had a chore wheel that was like apparently randomized, but somehow it always fell to me to empty the litter box. I'm like how am I emptying this like, litter I'm box? Here. They're not even my cats. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, uh, uh,
1: because we're a music podcast, let's let's get on to the music. How do you and your wife
0: split up chores in the house? <laughs> um, do you... We, as- each of us do our own laundry. Really? Yes, we each do our own laundry. Isn't that more
1: inconvenient, given that you have to then... Or do you have each individual... No, we have ha- separate hampers. Oh, my God. This yeah, is- we have
0: separate hampers. <laughs>
1: I, so we, I could never do that.
0: Yeah. So we do our own laundry and then it's taken forever to figure out like a dishes arrangement that works. Hmm. And so what we've gotten to now is that she washes everything and I put it away. I, it's because I hate the dishes. So I, much. I hate doing. Dishes. I want to.
1: All I want to do is like, okay, this is going to sound dirty, but I don't mean it to be dirty. I'm so curious about people's, like, intimate, like, arrangements. Not sex stuff, but how does everybody do... And no one talks about it, right? No, because it's boring. Right. It's a, it's inherently boring, but I'm so deeply curious with, like... Uh, because because I'm married now, and I have friends who are... And, and I tend... My wife and I, Warren were one of the first married f- people in our yeah. friends circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so people and uh, we, uh, if I do say so myself, have a very healthy, good relationship. We were never
0: dramatic. We never broke up and got back together. We never. I mean, have clearly you know. no drama since you are doing a podcast <laughs> with her ex boyfriend.
1: Yes, <laughs> it's like
0: we have a wonderful. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's, it's marriage. It's it's
1: got its flaws right. and onwards. but um, so people come to us and go, hey. How do you, you know, like a lot of guy friends, like my dude friends will come to me and be like, hey, like, how do you, how do you guys like deal with splitting up the chores? And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're just like, "Uh," and it's always this thing. And I'm like, we don't. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, we just each do the things that we do. Like, yeah, I take out the trash at no point was it discussed that I take out the trash. But for 11 or 10 years now, I've been taking out the trash. She loves to cook. It's like her happy place mm-hmm. and she's grown as a I mean it's it's become one of her major hobbies. She cooks every day and like I don't say hey, you know, you know, it's never uh get in the kitchen wife and cook like she, <laughs> right, she's right. always excited about yep. the recipe. And then I clean, and she's never said, "Honey, right. can you clean the dishes?" I'm just like, well, you just fed me?" Of course, I'm going to clean the dishes. Right. Like, and so it's just been very natural. But then I'm learning, as I have these friends who come to me and ask me about, uh, "Hey, how do you? How do you? You know, how do you deal with like you know when she's really messy and you're really clean?" And I'm like, "I don't know, because we just <laughs> got lucky, I guess."
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's always amazed me and I, I feel like it's the tides changing a bit in our generation but like mm-hmm. the gender gap mm-hmm. on cleaning mm-hmm. is like dude you live here too. <laughs> like yeah, it uh, it and I it was like, in college there is a point where I realized in a in a house full of guys that I was the clean one, (laughs) which is like a terrifying thing for me to figure out. If you like have spent any time in any of my living space (laughs) that I'm the clean one. (laughs) It's like, it's like there's a moment where I was like, has no one else has no one else in this house. There's eight of us. Has no one else ever sorted the recycling
1: or like, I saw this tweet the other day. This woman was talking about her ex-boyfriend, and she was like, yeah, I told him one time about, like, cleaning. And, like, she said, like, oh, she was cleaning her toilet, her toilet that afternoon. He's like, what do you mean clean the toilet? It cleans itself. Oh, my God. (laughs) I was like, there is zero. I mean, I would bet 90% of male dorm room toilets are not cleaned once during the year. Like, because, because, because
0: boys... Um right ugh. Ugh. Yeah, this is great music podcast. right. Yeah, great music podcast.
1: Wait, I do want to address <laughs> the two things that I'm insecure about. Uh, my headphones, which you can't the listeners can't see. Uh, my, my lovely friend William uh, chastised me for d- doing podcasting in all the wrong ways. And said, hey, you should really do a wired connection. I know Bluetooth is only like a tiny bit of lag, but it'll help with talking over. It matters. I was like, okay. And I realized that the Sennheiser headphones that I had, that are like nice, professional, whatever, um, I had to get rid of them a couple of years ago because they, they broke and were falling apart. And I was like, where are the wired headphones? And the only wired headphones we have are my wife's bright pink cat ear Razer gamer girl headphones. Well, they look lovely, and uh, so there's that. I can assure the listeners that they look lovely. And then also, I just like—I've ha- never not shaved for more than like two weeks, and now I'm going on like a uh, month, three or four now, and it, it doesn't fill in. This is three months. Yeah, I think so. Oh wow! And so it doesn't okay. fill in like your or like any respectable man. It just gets I had to scraggly. start shaving in 6th grade. Yeah, mine just gets scraggly and so instead of looking like I belong in mastodon or something, I look like <laughs> I look like like a like a Teenage boy uh, who's like a wildling on Game of Thrones with this beard, <laughs> and so I keep wanting to just shave it. And my wife was like, "No, you don't need to shave it. You need to trim it." And I'm like, "But that's like a whole other level of maintenance. I don't want to do." And so now I have this—it's not terrible beard mm-hmm. that I'm going to do something
0: with soon. <laughs> it's not all that bad. The trimming. I no, mean. <sighs> oh, but my beard, yeah, it's terrible. Well, I'm not gonna. <laughs> the lighting's the lighting's weird. I do often wish that I didn't have such a heavy beard just cause it's like, you always want the opposite.
1: Cause yeah, I'm always like, man, it would be so nice if I could just not shave and grow beard and like just let it go. Uh,
0: but that is not my lot. Yeah. Life. Like mine is just like so thick and like wiry and dense. And it's like, <laughs> if I go, if I go more than like three weeks without trimming it, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is who, what is this like grizzly Adams looking guy coming out? Of, and then I like, will take my, my beard trimmer out and give myself a nice once over. I'm like, oh, there, there he is. There's that, there's that strapping young lad. But facial hair, yeah.
1: uh, cleaning, cleaning toilets and uh, any other, uh, and chores. For a,
0: for a role. Uh, well, so we're, where are we talking we're, about this uh, week, now? yeah, yeah, well, I, I was I was gonna maybe go on one more detour because I was oh, curious because this is because you have your own house now. Uh oh. So you th- is this just like your office space, or you're gonna have like a like a music space in this room or some this, other room or
1: this This is my office, and it is obviously this. There's still boxes and stuff. it's, even okay. it's been eight weeks. Uh, don't judge me. <laughs> uh, moving into a house is hard. <laughs> uh, but no, this is gonna be. Like, where I work all day, which I already do. So I work here, Mm -hmm. uh, I play video games here, I have my PS5 set up, same monitor, and then um, now that I finally have, like, a space that's more my own, I do want to, okay, like, maybe now we can open this up to, like, getting back and recording music again and get some stuff. And so... um, yeah, it's definitely on the docket. It probably yeah. won't
0: happen until early 2022. But uh, right, because right it now was
1: we're trying to put the living room and stuff together. Oh, for sure, so. for sure. Yeah,
0: because when I bought my house, and because we went from a tiny little two bedroom with like the paper, most like man, it, they were so paper thin. Like it was with the walls, not like necessarily like next door, but like between floors. Like my neighbor checked out uh, king of limbs by radiohead when it came out mm-hmm. and i'm sitting there i'm like what's this baseline oh yeah this is <laughs> and so like we're, just, we're like yeah heard your heard your how'd you like that new radiohead like i was into it too whatever <laughs> it's like but um one of the things that i that i got when when we bought the house was like i was like i am so excited just to buy like a good amp now and so I actually I actually used some of the uh the money we got back at closing to buy a Vox AC15 I I've always Which had, I then turned really loud. I I've, I've always had good amps and yeah. stuff but
1: yeah when I lived I got them when I lived at home with my parents and was in a band right. And so one of the first since I've moved out I've barely played electric guitar through the amp in the house yeah like i've gone places and played i've gone places and practiced and gigged and whatever but like plugging it in and because the, yeah like a tube amp on the lowest because you have to get so much power into it so it's right. like on three out of ten
0: or whatever because it, it makes does make noise. a difference yeah it do- some guys know- will tell you it doesn't
1: Oh, it completely makes a difference. It totally, <laughs> it makes, a a difference. totally makes a difference. Uh, but yeah, as soon as you start getting sound, which is like about, at least on my Fender um, yeah. Hot Rod DeVille, it's like at three, and it'll go from quiet, and then it's like, and then the yeah, walls are yeah, shaking. Yeah. And I'm like, there's right. no in between. you know. And then from three <laughs> right. to 10, obviously, it just gets increasingly loud, but the lowest volume I can get yeah. on my amp is still
0: loud. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. There you go but now you can finally finally do that and just get really yeah i'm probably loud. gonna go
1: whole hog in here and put up the sound dampeners uh because oh, okay. i know i'm I a echoey right now and then i like, thought you're
0: gonna say like a huge wall of marshall amps <laughs> just like like, <laughs> like jimmy <laughs> hendrix style yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, big. so now yeah what are we talking about today well, last week we talked about pop music, and so I decided it'd probably be a good, a good idea to go the hard other way, <laughs> mm-hmm. and let's let's talk about getting weird. Let's uh, talk about like the weird um, black hole experimental, inaccessible <laughs> <laughs> music that we've gotten into because I personally have like almost zero metric for like what is too weird in listening to music with other people. So, when
1: you brought up this idea, you're like, "Hey, let's talk about avant-garde music or weird music or challenging, let's yeah. do the opposite of pop music." Yeah. My first reaction was, "Oh, man, I'm not I'm not cool enough like I just, <laughs> you know, I listen to so much mainstream." Right. Whatever. And my, perc- my perception is so skewed towards oh, yeah. being a music guy. Right. Because when I actually started thinking about it, I was like, oh, I listen to a ton of music that people would find challenging. Mm-hmm. Or more importantly, like a broad range. So even if someone's like super into metal, right. they're probably not going to listen to a ton of jazz. Right. And I. Really, I mean, I genuinely do like just a gigantic, you know, swath of right, music, right, and right. I go through moments, and so I was like, okay, I think I can actually contribute because it's just my perception is
0: skewed because right. I talk to people like you about music, right? You're right?
1: Like you heard the so, new so record, and and I I'm was like, oh no!
0: And I was thinking like, um, I was I was also like trying to take notes, of like, all right, what's some of like the weird stuff I'm into, and I'm like. I don't know. Like, a lot of this feels like pretty, like, not like mainstream, but it's like pretty pedestrian for me to just be like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, like, I like Can and Noi and, you know, John Cage and whatever. It's like. (laughs) Can is only.
1: Uh, common or normal to other music nerds,
0: right? Exactly. So it's like it's this thing where it's like uh, it's not. I mean, everybody knows can you know like Kanye West sampled Swan Song, yeah, on like a top or forty drunk record, like Drunken Hot not, Girls with
1: yeah. uh, 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 Well, at the time, I think he still went by Most Def. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, I, I. I'll never forget that when that came out because I was really into Kanye and my friend Evan uh you know, couldn't stand the guy. Right. Um and he was like and he knew I had the record and he was like I heard that there's a song that samples can and I was unfamiliar yeah. with can. And I was like, what do right, you mean? Right. And so we like sat in the car and flipped through them the tracks and then uh we get to the uh drunken hot girls which is a song he's like
0: this isn't he was just like this is insane like uh, how yeah. like why no, is it's he nuts doing <laughs> this? it's nuts but like i was thinking of some, exam- some examples so the other day i was listening to tangerine dream which is like i'm like mm-hmm. tangerine dream you know like nice like chill out synthie like relaxed music and at one point my dog like is sort of like startled by something i don't think it was in the music but <laughs> then michelle was like Oh, it's okay, George. Your dad's just listening to really weird music. I'm like, is this really weird? And I'm like, well, okay. So it's made on analog synths that, like, the tubes and like all of the the con- electro connections got warmer mm-hmm. as the longer they recorded, and so like the actual sounds that are changing and like the pitch of the record changes as well mm-hmm. because everything is like heating up, and it's like a 23 minute song yeah. with no words and like no recurring structure. And I'm just like, this is nice. This is cool. One of the, one of the best examples though, was I got, um, a ghost is born by Wilco. Mm-hmm. And I was working at a subway at the time. And we just had like a little boom box that we'd put on for work music and whatever. I mean, and, you were a, uh, uh, what did you, what were you called? The sandwich, artist. a sandwich artist. Yes. A sandwich artist. But so <laughs> I put that CD on And the, uh, the second to last song on there, um, which I can never remember the name. I want to say at least that's what you said, but that's the first one song on there. Uh, but there's like, it's like 11 minutes long and only like two minutes of it are like a song. Yeah. And then the rest of it is just like this like glitchy noisy thing. And I, was playing it and I'm I'm just like you know hanging out at work whatever like just normal totally normal thing and then the owner of the gas station would often work like the the cash register and stuff and so he's there and about 5 minutes in he's like what the hell is this can we turn it off
1: <laughs> it <was laughs> I'm, a, like, I I'm like oh is up. this
0: not is this not like what people listen to <laughs> so yeah, uh, well, for one. He had the same reaction to, um, the first track on, uh, Casadega by Bright Eyes, by Bright Eyes which has yeah. like a really, like, sort of chaotic horror movie string soundtrack. I was gonna thing say, going to say, uh, for listeners, the
1: Wilco song, uh, Nat is talking about is called Less Than You Think. Yes. Yes. It is 15 yes. minutes long and, <laughs> uh, it is the longest track on the record. The second longest one is ten minutes long and called the Spiders in parentheses, Kids Smoke. I and, love that song. Uh, that is also another song where it's like we wrote a two minute song and then we just jam.
0: Yes. And <laughs> that that itself <laughs> is like one of my forays into Kraut Rock. Once I realized I that, that that's what they were doing. I, can see I was that. like, oh, there's a th- this is a thing. This is a thing that they're doing. I get it now. So, I get it now. So let's, and so, you know, we got our, yeah. we got our living notes here. Let's back up. Let's back up a little bit. I, I want
1: so my, our idea for this was to kind of go through your stages in life. And what, and again, zero judgment because everything is new. Yeah, You know, every day someone's born who's uh, never seen the Flintstones. Yep. Uh, <laughs> when something is new to you, it blows your mind. So, if you say, Hey, I heard Britney Spears and she blew my mind. It was the most experimental thing I ever heard. Uh, uh, zero judgment because it probably was at the time, but yeah. So let's go through our kind of journey.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Of music that is maybe not the most digestible.
0: (laughs) Right. And so I have mentioned a few times by now, uh, and I know that because I've edited the first three episodes (coughs) now. (laughs) So I'm, I'm re listening to everything Mm -hmm. again. Uh, so I've, my real introduction into like caring about music was through like project 86 and Zayo were like two of the big bands that were in there, which are like, you know, more extreme, very heavy bands, very heavy bands. And so one of the things that I realized is I was like reflecting but did you, on this. Well, when
1: you discovered that, were,
0: were you genuinely not listening to much music before that you, I was literally listening to weird Al on repeat. Wow, so your real first like Weird Al and CCM. Your real first, oh, I like this band and I want to buy it. Was was really yeah.
1: heavy stuff. Yeah, it was. Okay. It was pretty
0: heavy. And so, and then from there, like our like, so me and my friend Travis, like most of our music was gotten through like his older brother, yeah. and his best friend. But there was also older, this y- and
1: older sisters are the best. <laughs> I,
0: there was also this youth leader named Jeremy. Mm-hmm and he was like super into heavy music and like mm-hmm. would like show us like living sacrifice and rackets and drapes which is like more like a goth uh industrial sort of thing rackets and drapes
1: i have never heard of that that is oh, a man.
0: comical name rackets, yeah, rackets and, and drapes, and drapes. <laughs> they were they were like it was like
1: that sounds like here's it a Mar- lot of a hat
0: yeah it's like here's marilyn manson once Okay. Let's. What if? What if this? But for the for the Christian youth. Oh, um, oh. Yeah. So it was one of the Christian yeah, alternatives yeah, yeah. to. Okay. Yes. Um. But so, <laughs> and then like, that's like where I'm like digesting music yeah. at first, and then like from there, uh, getting into like pop punk and then to emo and things like that. And one of the things I realized uh, that that did to my tastes from a very foundational level was that. I didn't re- so like weird or bad vocals mm-hmm. weren't a deal breaker uh neither were like odd production or like bad production because like especially like if you're getting into like old emo and like really underground <coughs> punk mm-hmm. like yeah they were like I was more than a shoestring button right so like I was like one of those jerks that was like oh end of the state sucks like. Cheshire Cat's the only good <laughs> Blink-182 album, which like I was saying that having learned every song from Enema on the State on <laughs> on guitar. Yeah, um, but yeah, because it's, it's when you, even from Deuteronomy, which they blew up, when you go to
1: Blink-182's Enema the State, which I've still very crisp. It is, oh my god. So high budget. It is like I mean, it's a fun record. It's a great record. It's kind of perfect pop punk, but it is so high gloss. It is,
0: yeah. It's a very shimmery, shiny, glossy record. There's
1: one guitarist in the band, and each song has like seven, five guitar
0: guitar parts. (laughs) Exactly. Whoa, what's going Um, on here? Yeah, but so so and so. The third thing, so it's like I don't mind weird or bad vocals, I don't mind mm-hmm. like bad engineering and I don't necessarily mind long songs. Cuz like the last song on that Project 86 record mm-hmm. is like 13 minutes long and like the last 7 minutes of it is just like feedback. And like I was in 8th grade listening to this. So I'm like this is good. <laughs> this is this is really good. And so that's like pretty much opened my mind to like other in like, especially intentionally experimental stuff mm-hmm. of like where things have gone. Um, cause then like in, in high school I took a, uh, you know, still very much into, uh, like emo and punk and hardcore. And I took a music theory class. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to a really big high school and so we had like, some really nice like recording stuff that we had and, um, or like classes that we had. And so there's like, I took music theory for two years and then we had a class called electronic music, which is like an intro to recording class basically. And you got to do this in high school. Yes. I am very jealous. I, yeah, it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty rowdy time. Um, but like one of the... Th- so in both of those... Cl- in both music theory and electronic music, someone would bring a song every day okay, to, like, listen to with the class. And so, like... Uh, and then we would analyze it with, like, different purposes. So, like, in music theory, we were always analyzing, like, this, you know, the tempo mm-hmm. and form, you know, like, the form of the song and such like that. And then electronic music, we're uh, kind of, like, analyzing the production of it. Okay. And so, like, th- that was the first place I heard Cradle of Filth, which like at the time made me <laughs> oh, want to like, <laughs> at the time made me want to like take a bath. I was like, there's very little music that I will be like, Ooh, this, this like feels really evil. And like, that was the first one that I was like, Ooh, like this is, um, but then also like somebody brought in kid a one or, uh, uh, Idiotech one day. Uh, uh-huh. And that was the first. I don't know if I had heard that or there there first, but like that was the first time in my mind that I like was like, oh, Radiohead is something I need to like pay huh, attention. Oh, okay. And so, um, so that was a little bit. Uh, that's interesting. Like I, because I
1: was going to say my... that was that would have been two thousand two. Because <clears> A came out in two thousand and. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it must have been two
0: thousand three because Hilda's. Yeah.
1: yeah. Hail of the Thief was out when that came out. So um, I was gonna say my. All right, I wanna. I'm gonna be really pretentious. Uh, I'm gonna jump in here with my own <laughs> junior high and high school bit. Yeah, uh, there's a quote from uh, anybody that knows me is, is, has made fun of me for uh, years because I'm slowly reading Carl Ove Nosgaard's, um six part uh, autobiography called uh, My Struggle, um, which is phenomenal. I'm on the last tail end of it, uh, and it's been uh, impactful. All right, it's critically clean, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But I save a bunch of quotes from it, and one of the quotes that has completely just burrowed itself in my mind, this is not a revolutionary quote by any means, but it just stuck with me, um, and he's discussing in the book how he he starts a band, and he's obsessed with music, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have the desire to get good at his instrument. He just wants <laughs> to be in a band, yeah, and he just wants to have that feeling of music, you know, kind of coursing through your veins. And he says, uh, the quote is, I never worked out what it was that possessed me when music possessed me other than that I always wanted it. Mm -hmm. And that quote just hit me because, um, well, I sent you a screenshot from our our very first episode. My, my poor mother decided to listen to this podcast. (laughs) And she sent me a screen, uh, a photo of this little, um, I don't know, Like Fisher Price or Mattel yeah. or something uh, thing, and it, it was a it had a cassette called Bullfrogs and Butterflies, and I apparently <laughs> drove everyone nuts listening. And I was three or four, and so you know from a young age, music was just where I wanted to yeah. to be. Um, and there's that thing of, uh, and we've discussed on this before, you know, like you talking about discovering uh, heavy music and Zao and stuff when you're a kid, you don't know, you don't know what's out there. You don't, right. you're, you're, you are uh, a, a child with no life experience. And <laughs> so the first time I heard like, mm bop by Hansen, I was like, yeah. I didn't know music could do this. And then the first time, you know, I heard again, like sunny day real estate. I was like, yeah. I didn't know in so much of it. Yeah. Even, even like all up to like the white stripes when the white stripes came out, I was just like, well, I intellectually know what this is. It's vocals get, guitar and drums. Yeah. But what they're doing, I didn't know you could do. I thought you right. had to do all this other stuff. And so for me, my journey with music is always, yes, I get into certain pockets of music and fall in love with it, but I'm also always like scratching that. I'm looking, I'm trying to scratch that itch of yeah, discovering something new, which obviously right. fades as you get older because you get more versed and more broad and whatever. And I think that's why a lot of people in their twenties sort of, yeah. Stop digging because things stop feeling new.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's We're going to have to have a whole episode on that sometime.
1: But yeah, so like for me, I mean, you know, similar to you, discovered a mainstream rock and, and, and whatever. But, you know, again, as big as, uh, say, corn was when I was in junior high and as mainstream as they were, they still weren't like something that. You would hear it like, yeah. you know, J C Penny or something. Right. They were still alternative. They were still abrasive. Parents didn't like them, and because parents didn't like it, of course, I was attracted to right. it. And I just kind of always followed that journey. And then for me, the first real—I um, don't know who's going to like this—but I love it. Moment for me, very big record was Converges Jane Doe. Yeah, that was the first one because emo and hardcore were always still uh uh p- palatable like yeah i could even put on thursday or something for my friends and get them to you know even if they were a big fan of just pop music okay they can hear the hooks understanding in a car crash mm. and jane doe is that record for me where i bought it because i just heard that this is the record man right uh, and it had been out for a couple months and i put it on and i didn't know if i liked it But I was scared of it. It scared (laughs) me, and I just wanted more of it. And I uh, became a super Converge fan after. But that was something I kind of had to like share alone because no one, even my friends who were kind of into hardcore and poison the world, Converge was just too like, what is? I can't understand him. This is noise. This is screaming. I don't like it. So that was my first real. Oh, you're over here alone a little bit. At least in my (laughs) circle, Uh, right? Because you know, internet was different then,
0: yeah and so the that for me like the push from like the more mains i i don't know mainstream maybe traditional songwriting mm-hmm. of and like pretty like more common times and stuff mm-hmm. like that uh was when i was in music theory and like found out about like odd meters <laughs> like that was one of the things for me that really pushed me to like like, look out, like, all right, what is some other music that uses, like, odd chords and, like, odd time signatures? And yeah. there is this band. Their career arc went in a very different direction after this. But there's a band called Cool Hand Luke mm-hmm. who had a record called I Fought Against Myself. That was, like, the blueprint for, like, what I wanted to do musically. Like, the first <laughs> band I was in, we, like, had some ideas of what we wanted to write but as soon as we found that record, it was like this is this is it. Like I'm learning these weird ninth chords. Mm-hmm. We're like gonna change time signature all the time, like whatever. Yeah. And like that got me into more like progressive hardcore and like progress, uh, like and more prog rock and math rock and stuff like that. And so like even like to where that's where like stuff like Coheed and Cambria and like Thrice mm-hmm. like really like grabbed me and like Blenderhead from like the older Tooth and Nail sort of stuff um no i remember i remember that record and then
1: i was gonna say again with being young and just going i didn't know you could do that a band yeah. that was hugely popular in my circle but i don't think ever made it popular nationally uh it was a band called Anathalo uh, yes uh michigan freaking
0: Anathalo, well, mount
1: pleasant michigan from michigan and then they come out of chicago and then they're a huge band. I think there's like I don't know seven members or something at some point. But they were one of those bands. I saw them.
0: Yeah, it was seven. So there's like the there's like a guitar, bass, drums, piano lineup, and then yeah. there's three guys that would just do whatever. Yeah. The time and I saw them live, they literally played balloons.
1: It, it, they <laughs> got so creative. I mean, again, it was still uh, sonically enjoyable. It wasn't yeah. you know harsh, but you know they had songs with clapping. Yeah. In it, and uh, you talking about changing time signatures, like there was just this big wave of yeah. where uh, both the music I was listening to and then myself, I was obsessed with. Oh my god, what you know? If music wasn't changing time signatures a bunch and being weird, <laughs> I was like, this is boring. And you know, yeah, I kinda, how did you never? How did you never get into Thrice? I never. Like, again, that was their. That was their
0: it. whole. That was their whole thing on <laughs> that no, second I record. Just
1: simply think it was a matter of no one. Yeah. sat me down and showed it to me I and would. by the time I heard of Thrice I was already into again I, right. like a holy trinity of I I think of Glassjaw Thursday and Thrice. Oh yeah, uh, 100%. And I just missed out on the the Thrice circle. Yeah. Um but yeah, I Yeah, and then and then, you know, Mars Volta uh, happens yeah. oh, my late high school and that yeah. was one of the first bands that was one of the very first bands that I could bring and, like, again, show my... I always talk about my dad, but uh, you know, yeah. our musical journey so intertwined, he's gonna come up. I was like, hey, you gotta hear this. And he yeah. was even like, okay, this is a little harsher than I would personally choose, Right? holy cow, what these guys yeah. are doing is... And then yes. he told me about, you should check out Tangerine Dream and King
0: Crimson. <laughs> yes. Oh, both of those. Uh, no, So, actually, um... Michelle is is very interesting like she, it's not like she's like totally like vanilla on music like she mm-hmm. has like some like she's hip on some stuff like she got me into like <laughs> she's cool. and she's cool <laughs> yeah she got me into like she, when we started dating she got me into like Rorksop and Telepop music and mm-hmm. like a lot of like the uh, Massive Attack and Emiliana Torini and like that trip hop stuff And like okay. it's, it's good but like she also doesn't seek music out a mm-hmm. whole lot uh, and so often it's just like the stuff I'm listening to. Mm-hmm. Like she's around it, um, but she actually really likes Mars Volta. Just from like me playing it, but she's like into it. Like I ordered uh, Amputexture last week. On finally got a vinyl copy of that. I and I was off I,
1: the wagon at that point.
0: They. I've just I, I know I've just gotten back. Like I love the first two records. I, I, which like we're talking about weird music like Cassandra yeah. Gemini like a 35 minute song at yeah. the end of that um, I play that sometimes on Touch Tunes, what's, what's like, Touch Tunes Touch Tunes is like a it's like a mobile it's like an app based jukebox
1: oh you like put it on in the bar you're that guy yes okay okay <laughs> wow
0: that that or Echoes by Pink Floyd Um, because again like long songs is not something I care about it's not I'm never put off by like the length of a song track. Yeah, I mean yeah. to so, to talk about length
1: like the final track on Jane Doe by Converge which is called Jane Doe I think is yeah. like 12 minutes of just right. oppressive <laughs> beautiful to me beautiful yeah. noise. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm I don't know. I'm with you on the long track thing, but yeah, discovering that people often check out at minute three of songs was right. real weird for me. I was like, what do you I mean? I said
0: something. There was something. I was showing one of my band's songs to somebody and it was seven minutes long. They're like, why is it so long? I'm like, what do you mean? Why is it so long? <laughs> there was, was how the song goes. There was a bit. Uh,
1: I mean, they're going to come up a million times. Uh, Radiohead, There's a bit yeah. uh, interviewer, uh, one of them, Was discussing again Ben's, which is basically a Brit rock, Brit pop record, record. and then they do OK Computer, and they sat down with people. Okay, here's our first single, and it was Paranoid Android, which is six and a half minutes long, right? And not the most conventional structure. And he was talking about like, yeah, we'd put it on and go make tea for people. (laughs) and Come back with the tea, and I just I love the idea of being like our song is the perfect length of
0: time. To boil your (laughs) kettle and make some tea. Well, so actually, a Paranoid Android, the version that's out is a very truncated version. Oh, was it even because it? Yeah, it was like a full-on attempt at like a Queen-style rock opera. Mm -hmm. I think they. I think I read once that they played a live version one time before OK Computer came out, where that was like maybe ten minutes, maybe twelve minutes but it had like a big organ interlude in it and stuff like that um but I wanted to touch on another band that opened me up to
1: weirdness uh braid um yeah almost all almost all emo and, and uh, pop punk and even to a degree hardcore fell into a
0: mostly four four time yeah. occasionally three four time. And we were like, that's why further seems forever. It was like so groundbreaking to me. I'm like, Oh, they're playing in six, eight. That's incredible. (laughs) Like it's
1: braid was, I just knew they were an important band and I bought them sight unseen right as they broke up. Mm. So they broke up and Chris broach, uh, guitarist from braid goes off and forms firebird bands and the other three members, uh, Bob dana and I, I'm blanking Damon and I'm blanking on the other guy's name. They go off and form Hey Mercedes. Mm-hmm. And Hey Mercedes is much more of a traditional rock yeah. band. I love Hey Mercedes. And Firebird Band was more experimental and electronic. Anyways, I go to the record store and I literally that day bought the Hey Mercedes EP the Firebird Band's just released full length and... Braid Movie Music Volume One, which is a collection of B sides by them, but I thought it was like a greatest hits uh, thing. I didn't know, and I was like, okay, I need this Chicago, this this uh, well, really uh, Champagne Urbana, yeah, Uh, U of I. I need that in my ears and. All that to say, the Braid record in particular was the most challenging and really opened me up because they would just do weird stuff. Like they would just get really creative with it. And so people would go, Oh, this is emo. And I'm like, Yes, but in a very, very different way than like the Get Up Kids. Right.
0: Um, Which was was also like where I was having, you know, Sunny Day Real Estate's LP2 being the first Sunny Day record that I got into. Um, But yeah, so jumping back to like, Mars Volta because they Mm -hmm. were that's like where we start transitioning into like my college area Mm -hmm. Uh, because like that's that was one of the first that was one of the most impactful records deloused in the comatorium was like sure changed my life like changed my (laughs) outlook on like a number of different things like it was I mean it was the it was the you know pill in the hot dog uh, kind (laughs) of trick
1: for sure yeah. for people of our generation for a whole world of music that they wouldn't have grabbed Other, you know, right. if you're our age you weren't going to just fall into King Crimson right. uh, but when the guys from At The Drive-In break up and form two bands and one of those yeah. bands is a traditional post-punk kind of rock band and the yeah, other is I never got into Sparta uh, so. I like Sparta, but the other is this thing that you, as a young person, probably have just never heard anything like it. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I was immediately like, "I need more of this." What is this? And then all yeah. of their influences were bands I had never heard of. And right. So yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. And so like, I w- and so I was getting into the r- record around the same time that I was hearing Cigarettes for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and Cigarettes is one of the things that really like introduced me to the idea of ambient music which then like took me to like uh like post rock in general uh and so that's like around the same time that Explosions in the Sky released All of a Sudden I Miss Everyone which is an incredible record but like I often <laughs> like again to my perception of like what mainstream is or n- is mm-hmm. not I'm just like well, it's like Explosion of the Sky has done like movie scores, like for like sports movies or stuff. Like, it's yeah, not, like their soundtrack for uh, the film
1: Friday Night Lights Month TV show is great.
0: It's right. Great. And I'm like, uh, they're not obscure. Like, why? Yeah. Like, post rock is pretty mainstream, but like, no, it's actually still kind of a weird thing. Uh, yeah. which, was, which was reinforced <laughs> when I went to Post Festival in 2019. Because, <laughs> uh, like, do you whole remember that for Post Rock? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in Indianapolis, I saw it was. It's not all wordless post rock. It's all like post rock and post rock influence. So like the first year, Appleseed Cast headlined. Okay. Um, it, you, you, so you can see that. Like yeah, that's yeah. that's basically where it is. Like Holy Fawn played the year I went. Uh, Spotlights played. Um, oh, oh, brother played a headlined that night. If you know, oh, brother. But there is a band there that's just like, just one guy is on a computer running stuff through oscillators and then another guy has a guitar but you can't hear what the guitar is doing because it's being so processed and whatever and it's like that that me that like scene from Arthur you know when it's like when do they stop tuning and start playing the song <laughs> like when do they start playing the music like that is the music like, that's like what that festival was in a lot of ways. <laughs> that was my reaction
1: when I finally, in my early twenties, finally was like, all right, I've heard about Sonic Youth my whole life. Let oh yeah. Me get yeah, yeah, into yeah. Them. And then I tried to get into them. And at first I was like, why is half the song just them tuning? <laughs> or
0: whatever. Right. Right. Uh, and so, you know. yeah. And so I will say like, Crystal C is like to my point about like not caring about abrasiveness or song length. Crystal C is probably my favorite Sonic Youth record or my uh, song. So, I was gonna say um, yeah. So but, so you
1: you get into college and you start branching off from yeah. you, Mars Volta and Cigar Rose and Explosions in the Sky and you're discovering long, often wordless. Yeah. Uh, brooding music.
0: Well, in a, in as a sort of like a weird like bifurcation going on because I'm listening to that and then I'm also like getting into folk for the first time in my life. And so that was I was driving to see Me Without You with my friend Lindsay Kay. And like we like talk about like weird and accessible music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me Without You is just I'm like, they're my favorite band of all time. And I'm like, this is great. Everybody should listen to this. I'm like, that's not super yeah. accessible like even their more melodic songs like certain songs you could pass off as right. like
1: a folk song off of maybe brother sister but yeah there's yeah you know
0: but um but she shows she plays I'm wide awake it's morning and I'm like ooh mm. what's this and I that like so, kind of spring loaded this whole thing and like got yeah. like took me into Bob Dylan which like you know speaking of not caring about bad vocals or long songs <sighs> <laughs> so I, I was gonna
1: Bob I was gonna Dylan say, and Neil
0: Young and when are we because uh, Bob Dylan and Neil Young you know we we
1: have talked with us a lot of as you move forward with music you keep looking back yeah and uh when I was eighteen just about to turn nineteen I remember being like all right time to buckle up time to I knew Bob was important right here we go I go to the record store and I buy Blonde on Blonde. And I put it on. And the first track on Blonde on Blonde, um, uh, I'm blanking on the official name. It's not everybody must get stoned, but that's not the name.
0: Yeah. Um, it's, it's something may Ian make it's got numbers at the end. count. Uh, I'm sure yeah. people
1: are listening or yelling with the title of that is one <laughs> of the most abrasive uh, in almost intentionally Crappy sounding Bob Dylan songs with these like
0: sad horns. Yeah. Rainy Day Woman number 12 and 35.
1: There we go. Thank you. you Yeah. It's like like, a New Orleans. It's
0: like a New Orleans funeral.
1: Yes. And I put that on in my car and I was like, what did you just buy? This is terrible. Yeah. Uh, And like everything, I kept listening, kept listening. And And then you got the Sad Eyed Lady of the Lowlands. Yeah. I remember I Want You. Oh, was man, yeah. such a ditty, and I kept sticking with that record. And then, of course, I got massively into Bob Dylan. But all that to yeah. say, like we're talking about Bob Dylan, which is widely considered one of the biggest, most influential, most important artists. But it's still not one that, like, again, it's not. It's you're not right. walking through the mall and hearing uh, Bob Dylan because his voice is and really, Voice are famously. Not
0: the best. Like the joke is that, oh yeah, like Bob Dylan sucks. Like yeah. he can't sing. But yeah, so that sort of like weird like intertwining though of like folky stuff and mm. like sort of ambient stuff uh, led me to a site called La Blago Tech mm. in college, which was like, they did a series called Takeaway Shows and it was mostly like looking now like, in the early mid two thousands, like kind of like pitchfork adjacent bands, and they would all do like live performances in like unconventional ways. So, like, mm-hmm. so Bon Iver was on there. That was one of my first experiences with Bon Iver. Hmm. Uh, and then months later, you texted me to be like, "Hey, you should check out Forema Forever Ago." i like, <laughs> I remember seeing some of these videos. Uh, and also, oh, Black Cab Sessions was another thing like that, where it's oh, like. That, that? Is, Black Cab, I, Cab I Sessions is pretty like that. great. Yeah, there's a but like, yeah, so Blog- <sighs> Blogotech was really like that. But like because they're based in France, like they're bringing in a bunch of like European, like Indian post rock and like chamber pop. So the, there's this band from I think Denmark called Efterklang mm-hmm. that was just like this like post rock chamber pop, incredible. There's like seventeen people in the band, whatever. Like sort of like a, a more European polyphonic spree, which like polyphonic spree was also one of those bands in mm-hmm. freshman year of college. that so I was like, oh, this is really like, okay, this is out there. But like it's sort of, so Blogatech introduced me to all this stuff and then sort of also got me on this m- mission to annoy my roommate Josh, <laughs> who like was this homeschooled kid <laughs> who like would listen to like movie soundtracks mostly. Mm-hmm. And like, so, like orchestral movie soundtracks or yes. okay. like he'd be listening to like the Pirates of the like Caribbean John soundtrack or, or Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. Yeah. 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 So that's like what he would listen to I when he was studying. I find
1: that very, Oh, when you're studying, I get, I find it very Which, weird like Mostly when people are like, I love listening to John Williams. Like, oh, while he, I drive. I'm like, yeah.
0: He was definitely, <laughs> he was definitely listening to, he wasn't, mm-hmm. he was definitely listening to soundtracks more casually hmm. as well. Um, like, want to listen to Hans Zimmer while I go get yeah. groceries. Oh, Dark Knight had just come out. Come on. Like, that's not a joke. <laughs> that's that so Dark stressful. That Dark Knight score. Like you're, you're like I know. That doing one, the dishes. The Joker theme.
1: Yeah, you're doing the dishes, and it's like, F-f-f-f-f-f-f. It's like, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm no, saying so this is
0: a guy who listens to Converge while he does the dishes, but still. Right. Uh, but so that, like, set me on this meet to, like, I had this goal to just make him say, like, I would buy a record with the purpose of being like, oh man, Josh is going to hate this. <laughs> <laughs> and like, we'd be sitting there on the couch. I'd have a record on. And he'd go, what is this? <laughs>
1: like, that is something that is again, part of the age and part of the fun of it is I right. did that too, where I would discover something and i would be like, I can't wait to show this to people. Yeah. Just like the uh, two records for me in college that were like that very opposite ends of the spectrum were, the very first Daughters record, yeah, um, Canada Songs, this was... It, it, oh, I want to go back real quick. In in high school, before social media, uh, message boards are you know, message big, boards. big thing. I lived on the Thursday.net message boards. And there were two <laughs> boards. There was all things Thursday and all things not Thursday. I have friends to this day that I'm... You know, we follow each other on Instagram or Facebook friends. That uh, I've watched them grow up, graduate, get married, have kids, get divorced sometimes. Yeah, and I've never met them in real life. Yeah, Uh, and some of them I even have. Anyways, this this the Thursday message version was just wildly impactful on me. But yeah, so people would link, of course, and there was a lot of edge words on there. So people, there's a lot of people on there who like. It was so weird. There were people who spent a lot of time on the boards who didn't like Thursday and were just always yes. trying to like be like, you should listen to Orchid. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I listen you- to Orchid and I'm like, oh, I mean, I like this, but this isn't as good. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Th- that reminds me of, do you remember interpunk.com? I do not. Interpunk.com was like the biggest like web store for like punk and emo and hardcore that I knew of. Hmm. And there were a bunch of like, everything would have like reviews on there or whatever. Okay. Um, but the funniest thing about it was that, so you couldn't make a review unless you had a purchase on okay. your account for that. Oh, so you could and only so, review it
1: after you, they were like, yo, this guy right. bought the record. And
0: so like anything popular, like so like Dashboard Confessional and Just, For The <sighs> News Forever and stuff like that, there are all these records that are like being trashed by people who had purchased them. But it's like, yeah, I bought it for my girlfriend so she could cry, whatever. But like, listen to some real music. <laughs> <I> hate, <laughs> like black, yeah. like
1: black flag. That. Yeah. I mean, gatekeeping sucks yeah. in general, but yeah. I, I personally have never been a gatekeeper, but I let gatekeeping definitely taint my opinions. Sure. And that sucks. And it's like, yeah. I've had to go back and be like, I did that with dashboard. I, yeah. I love Dashboard and then I hated Dashboard because it wasn't cool to like Dashboard and like yeah. we saw Dashboard on tour for uh, last year and he played uh, he did two shows in every stop with Piebald which was awesome uh, and the first night was uh, Places You've Come to Fear the Most front yeah. to back and then the second night was uh, what is it Mission Marka Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I word. I got I left I lost them at that one <laughs> I did too but I went to that show yeah,
1: and I was just like, this is undeniably great songwriting. (laughs) Like whatever you want to throw at it. I was like, why did I let people talk me out of liking this? Um, But
0: uh, I don't even remember what my original train of... You're talking about Orchid (laughs) on the Thursday message board. Oh, (sighs) yes. So the
1: Thursday message board was just hugely impactful to me in high school. And I remember uh, I moved... Uh, when I was 18 and I didn't have internet and I would go to the library and I would still mm-hmm. go to the library to check the Thursday message yeah. board. And <laughs> this was 'o three, And around this time was when, you know, and I was really into pitchfork and you know, I always yeah. had a love hate relationship with pitchfork cause they, they were all people like me who were, but then they were clearly ashamed of being oh yes emo kids. So they would like, like they famously just like, hated on every popular emo and hardcore release, even though that's like literally the kind of people they were. Right. But then if something weird would come out, they would like it. And so I, I kind of came to that and, uh, Arcade Fire came out yeah, uh, with their first record. And this other band called Fiery Furnaces came out, um, Mm -hmm. with, I don't remember what the record was called, but they were big records in Oh three. And, you know, say what you will about how they sound now. They were radically unlike anything I'd ever heard uh, right. at the time. And again, this is back to, back to that NASGARD quote and back to that. I'm constantly just going, I, I'm like, yeah. I didn't know you could do this. Right. Kind of vibe. I didn't know whatever yeah. this feeling of, of new, this feeling, this joy I get from discovering something new that I didn't know you could do. Like I want more of it. And yeah. so that led me down the, the, pitchfork weirdness rabbit hole and ultimately animal collective and stuff
0: yeah so when when uh arcade fire won their grammy and this touches back (laughs) into like my like not knowing what's like mainstream acceptable i guess i so one of the guys uh from my church was like hey nat do you like that band arcade fire and i'm like yeah they're good and he's like okay because my wife and I watched the Grammys last night and they played, they played that song. And I was like, this is really weird. And I was like, this, that's weird. Month of May by, by arcade fire is a weird song to you. <laughs> but he was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, this song's really weird. I bet you, I bet you Nat likes this. And I'm like, I, well, I I do. I do. Like it's a good song. There it's a was good, uh,
1: yeah. What was that? Twenty eleven suburbs came out. Yeah, like, yeah, suburbs yeah. is maybe Arcade Fire's um, most palatable.
0: It's record. absolutely mainstream. I um, was very disappointed when that album won a Grammy, but not Neon Bible.
1: I uh, but I, I mean I love their first three records almost equally. Yeah, but they win the Grammy, and there was a website called like. There's someone critical, like who the F is Arcade Fire. Yes. And it was all screenshots of people reacting, like on Twitter <laughs> and Facebook and stuff, and going, you know, who because again, as big as they were in a certain world, you
0: Yeah. They weren't on the radio. They still no. you had to be They were they were famously like the first band to get famous from the blogosphere,
1: yeah, it was like Like and they like, just uh, got big
0: on the internet. Then uh, clap your clap hands, your hands yeah.
1: say yeah. <laughs> Those are the yeah. two textbook ones where, like, Pitchfork just said, "Sure, we like this, and yeah, you know, we're going to give it this." And everyone else's platform, right? Um, Sorry, we're jumping ahead. Of, I, I jump. We're, ahead, we're I getting we're just...
0: getting all over the place, oh, and wow. so I think I've always I've always had that thing though, where like. If I get into a band, I want to know like, okay, what are these guys listening to to make this happen? And so that's like Radiohead is probably the biggest thing of that. We're like anytime because any Radiohead almost only just takes like very weird stuff Uh and makes pop songs out of it. And then they would be the first people to tell you, oh, you should just listen to Amputexture or whoever.
1: Um, I, I No,
0: I... What band am I thinking of? Amputechture is the Mars Volta record that I just uh, Autature? Uh, I don't I've never pronounced it out loud. <laughs> out loud. Do you know what I band know I'm talking exactly about? exactly
1: what band you're talking about and I don't know how to say their name.
0: Auticker? Auticker? I don't know.
1: Someone A- is, someone is at their,
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, their, their stereo um, right now. Yeah. <laughs> Who's listening to the podcast on their stereo? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, I'm put, just imagining a boombox. They, they put the tape of the yeah. Podcast there you go. The tape adapter. And, yeah. They and, oh they, or, they <laughs> taped it. They taped it off the uh, Tune store. Um, Perfect. I, I wanted yeah. to
1: get into you, both of us from Midwest, but you are, you're born and raised in Indiana, right? Yeah. And then I'm, I'm from Michigan. Uh, I mentioned him a million times. He's going to keep coming up. Uh, my my dearest. He was the best man at my wedding. Uh, Evan, uh, brilliant guy, best friend. He. Was uh, I'll just say like a more in high school, he was not seeking out music. Right. Yeah. 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 And he just like, well, was popular, blah, blah, blah. He tell you that himself. He goes off to college and we were acquaintances. He goes off to college. Uh, he's two years younger than me and he comes back and he kind of comes up to me. And when you're of a certain type of person, you're always looking for other people like you. And right. Especially in the suburban, church world which we were yes. both a part of and he just kind of approaches me in the summer between his freshman sophomore year and it's like hey uh you like music right like, you ever heard of a uh, arcade fire and i'm like yeah yeah what yeah you you're into you know and again this is 'O three, so arcade fire is yeah. not a household name and i'm like uh yeah sure and so we start talking about music and become fast friends like overnight just Start hanging out non stop together, sharing each music, just both of us inhaling as many films as we can, just discovering all the stuff and sharing it together. And so we decided to get year two of Pitchfork Festival. Uh, and he went to college in uh Chicago. So we uh go, uh, he was running a house, and some of the guys went home for summer and some stayed in Chicago. And so he said, Cool, we got a place to stay. I was like, Cool. So we go to Chicago. And he tells me about his uh, roommate. He's like, yeah, uh, I have this roommate. You know, he's really eclectic guy. Um, He's really into jazz. He runs the jazz radio (laughs) program for our college radio Mm -hmm. station. And I'm like, telling me again, I was 21 at this point, telling me that there's somebody who is 18 or 19 Who's into jazz, like genuinely into yeah. jazz? I I just hadn't met that person. I mean, I know that's right. not that weird, but I just had never met a young person who's like, I unironically love jazz and can speak about it and yeah. whatever. So I meet this guy. Yeah, I I was and in... you've met him. Oh, this is I'm talking about Mike Chavsky, who forced his friendship upon you recently. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, So, this is how I know him. Okay. Because I get there, and he's like, this uh, the most uh, likable, affable dude. Yeah. And he, at the time, didn't know a ton about this music at all. But he was like, sure. He's just a very open guy. So, he's like, sure, I'm going to come to Pitchfork Pass with you, even though I just mostly listen to jazz and stuff, whatever. (laughs) So, we go, and he has a great time, and, you know, he's just kind of open to it all. But, again, it was clearly not his scene- And I'm just like Looking at him like he's an alien I'm like okay, (laughs) okay, you've gotta help me You like jazz? And he's like yeah And I'm like okay, give me Give me some records And he did the kindest, smartest thing that anybody Could do who's a super fan of something He didn't overburden me He just said, here's your three And it was Archie Shep, Kwanzaa uh, I wrote him down here uh, Joe McPhee's Nation Time And Charles Mingus uh, blues and roots Ugh, love Mangus and I grabbed those three records off of uh some you know whatever the Napster was at the time bear share and I and I fell in love I absolutely yeah fell. and that completely opened me up to the yeah. world of, of jazz and yeah. I'm forever grateful to to him for that and now he's uh completely obsessed with punk yeah <laughs> and like the you know when you think of jazz you think of super technical. Musicianship right, and, and right, right. local punk scene is uh, often not associated with that, but he's now yeah. super into the punk world. And uh, there you go. yeah, full circle. Yeah. And now he forces so, friendship on you. <laughs> well, I mean, he added me on Facebook. So <laughs> I, got, I, got I don't know I said I'm going to bring. I said I'm going to bring your uh, bring this story up, and he was like, "Oh my god, yeah. totally. You talk about yeah, it, totally yeah, yeah.
0: yeah." No, so I I was like, so I was in jazz band my senior year in high school. It's so like. I had, like, oh, yeah, Duke Ellington, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I knew, like, some of these ideas. But then, like, we played, like, a Mingus song. And I'm, like, who, uh, as a band, we learned Gunsling and Bird by Charles Mingus. I'm, like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what is this? Because this is incredible. And so, uh, but, like, I also... <gasps> I'm jealous you discovered it in high school. <laughs> I also, I didn't get super deep into it. Like, as far as I went to in high school was, like, I bought Kind of Blue. And, like, I listened to jazz. And it was, like, yeah, the most popular... <laughs> The but most I mean, popular jazz record of all time. Like that's the I one I've got.
1: Kind of blue is the Christmas album to me. I don't yes. know why I, I can't explain it. But I don't, it I don't like know, Christmas. I'm with you. Um, and I listen to it every Christmas a bunch yeah. because uh I don't really enjoy regular Christmas music.
0: <laughs> yes. Well that that's uh been a hard couple months for you then. These last <laughs> couple months. <laughs>
1: But we're uh, we're traveling
0: through time here. Um, Yeah. So actually I didn't really get back into jazz until, and um, so after college I moved to Chicago and I lived with uh, my friend Chris, who I Mm -hmm. had previously met at Jesus People USA. And when we met at Japuza, they introduced me.
1: in God's name is Jesus People USA or Japuza?
0: It's a, it's a sort of a commune. This sounds like the Christian, like, like a Christian cult. I mean, it's not a cult. I mean, there are people <laughs> who might, people who have been there who have had bad experiences who are like, oh yeah, it's kind of a cult. I'm like, okay. but I've, I know a lot of people who have lived there, who have been through there. I know friends who have lived there now and it's okay, like, so it's
1: a commune though. It's yeah, it's, okay. it's
0: more, it's more like apartment based. Like they, people work to stay there or whatever. Like it's okay. not like a. Um, but, but I stayed there for to stay there against your will. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> you can Um, leave. I, I lived with these people after they left Japuza voluntarily. Mm-hmm. So, um, but no, so they, the first night I was at Japuza, they, I started talking to them and they were like, Oh, have you ever heard of Kraftwerk? Mm. I'm like, I have not heard of craftwork," And then like, showed me like the craftwork website at the time, which like had like flash animations for every album <laughs> that would just like, I love that they had a web. I wouldn't have even expected them to have a web. I know. I know. It's like, this is like 2007 or something like that. Uh, and so then we just sort of like keep, keep in touch. Like as we've been going and um, end up moving in together when I move out of Chicago or move out to Chicago and like, one time, I went out when we were like getting ready to like move to the next apartment. I'm like, "Hey, man, just take my take my iPod and just like fill it up with stuff." And so <laughs> they gave me. Uh, I I loved that. I used to do that too. Oh man, it was great. Like, I got all my music on my computer. Just I'm gonna plug in my iPod and and throw just everything shove, you have on there, right? And if you had to delete yep. stuff, that's fine. And yep. yeah, so like, craftwork was one of the big ones they threw on there. Also, can. um, they gave me uh, in the airplane over the sea. They gave me Joy Division, New Order, uh, like Stooges, uh, some Sonic Youth, I think, uh, and then like also a lot of like uh, like European dance stuff. So like Justice and Knife and okay. Fever Ray and like yeah. stuff like that. And like and then when I lived with when I moved in with them, it's like they had a twenty five hundred piece vinyl collection. That is a big number, and we're just always like throwing on like the most obscure stuff that I'd like never heard of, and like also, Chris loved dub reggae. So like, what is I'm ignorant of dub reggae?
1: It's just a genre I'm completely ignorant yeah. of because I don't like reggae. I've right. I have tried. So I try- the closest I get to reggae is the Clash. It's <laughs> uh, not very close. Uh, it's as close as I can get. What I about mean, the police? No, I hate the police. I uh, hate the police. They are way too reggae for me. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh.
0: Oh man. I I Shame. just don't. I
1: don't. Anytime I hear, I'm just. <laughs> nope.
0: We're done. Yeah. Okay. We're done so dub, re- dub reggae was really like, um, it was really where remixes were born out of, and so in like these poor Jamaican producers would like take existing recordings and then just like adjust levels as they go yeah. and like throw effects on them and stuff. And so dub Reggae is especially marked by like really deep bass sounds and like that, like really like extended, like echoey tape delay sort of sound. They'll just like get thrown oh. on a snare drum or something like that. And like, it's, so, like, going right to, like, dub reggae is kind of, like, a hard thing. There are very few dub reggae albums that I enjoy. It, why is it called reggae? Like, are they... Are no, they were They were, this they were using... Reggae? Yeah, they they were doing okay. it to reggae songs. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so, it was... And so, it is... It's, like, remixes of, of reggae songs. Um, but, like, Scientist and Lee Scratch Perry are, like, hmm. the v- big, like, names there. Uh, but they it was also like so going right to dub reggae is like kind of like a may maybe drinking from a fire hydrant mm-hmm. sort of deal but like it has been one of the most influential like areas of music hmm. in every so like johnny greenwood has done a dub reggae album or maybe is a compilation I think that he went and like collected the songs and then remixed himself. It's called Johnny Greenwood is the controller. Um I've heard of that album. Yes. I never
1: never gave it a listen. Right.
0: And so like the Radiohead guys are super into dub. Uh the Gorillas, the first couple of Gorillas records are like very dubby. Hmm. Uh and okay. like it's just one in like Santa Gold and uh MIA. And it's just like it's like one of those things was like, it, it has been seemed to me that like the people who are good at music and know a lot about music, like seem to care a lot about dub. And so there are, I didn't, I only, I think I only have one dub reggae album in my collection, but I listen to it all the time. <laughs> it's Scientist rids the world of the evil curse of the robots okay. or vampires, uh, not robots. um, I mentioned it on the episode that was published as of this recording. Tomorrow, uh, it's going to be published tomorrow <laughs> from where from our vantage, uh, okay. the video game one. Uh, yeah, that yeah. that album was the reggae station on Grand Theft Auto Three. Uh, but okay. then also like, but it feels it feels like a very like a very similar role in like music influence as like Krautrock did. So like Krautrock is one of those things like where it's kind of hard to listen to. Like I got Tago Mago by Can this <laughs> last week, and I that was on my blog, and I'm listening through it, and about eight minutes into this like twelve minute noise track, I'm like, how much longer do I have? And <laughs> how much longer do I have? I tried this? to get into Can, I can't. Uh, I, I, I future just, Days. I'm Listen to Future though. Days. Okay, that album is that's my favorite one. But yeah, but so and Chris also like super into like free jazz and Sun Ra and uh, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> sunra, really like Sun is
1: a big one. Where when you discover oh Sun Ra, you're like.
0: <laughs> In Sun Ra, Sun Ra is bizarre because Sun Ra always claimed that nothing they did was improvised; it was all composed. <laughs> Yeah, that's like the big like claim that Sun Ra has made, and it's like I don't think that's real. Wait. But also then like also, Francis "The Mute" by Mars Volto was apparently composed by Omar ahead of time. I'm like, this wasn't improvised. Are you serious? <laughs> like, that's insane. <laughs> so, but no, so. Um, Sunra, I never really got into Sun-Ra personally myself. Ditto. I heard a lot of Sunra living with them. I'm in the same boat. Uh, they were also, yeah, they were also super into Sonic Youth, and so like that's where I first heard Crystal C, and that's where I was like, okay, what is this? Because you've played a lot of you've played a lot of Sonic Youth, mm-hmm. and this is like this is what I want Sonic Youth to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> But so there is also the biggest Is there th- more of this kind of sonic cues? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so the th- the one record that really like stuck out to me after I moved out from there and also like my time in Chicago I'm remembering like that's when The by Grizzly Bear came out which is very much a pop record but it's very much a weird pop record.
1: Yeah. And
0: I I have said many times if history is kind and true the will be remembered alongside uh, Sgt. Pepper and Pet Sounds as one of the greatest albums of all time. It is so good. Yeah, and I, I super agree.
1: But yeah, this is the thing where, you know, um, if you are not a music nerd or a yeah. hipster or something, yeah, whatever slang you want to use, and you hear pretty much any song off that record that's not two weeks. That's not two weeks. You're going to song from the Volkswagen commercial. Huh? You're going to go, huh? But (laughs) if you sit down and you actually listen to the song and you study it, they are doing verse, chorus, whatever, but they were ground, absolutely groundbreaking. Yeah. And, and their musicianship, uh, it's incredible. Because I saw them on tour. I saw them twice before I was a fan. I saw them when they were doing, uh, the tour for yellow house twice. Okay. And they opened, I haven't been able to get into that one. They opened for Radiohead, uh, yes. which was of course a big deal. Yeah. They that were, was a huge, uh, yeah. Only yellow houses in, uh, in Horn of plenty was out. And, uh, the crowd just talked to the whole freaking set and they, you know, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't ideal. Cause it was an outdoor thing and the sun was still high in the sky. Right. And like, right. Whatever. And they're soft, like, music, Right, and then I saw them at Pitchfork, and I also was, like, not super impressed. And what got me to try Grizzly Bear was when they were to, like, you know, so I'd seen him live twice, I had heard uh, that song, The Knife, and I was like, okay, this is okay. Uh, Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails uh, used oh. to be very, very, very active on Twitter, and he yeah. was freaking out about the song Cheerleader by uh, them that they were had released, yeah. uh, like as a single or something
0: uh, before. Uh, how do you? Say, is it? Vec- I always say vektamist. I'm probably saying. It right. I always oh, thought it was vekatomist. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. probably saying it wrong too. I've never heard it pronounced. So
1: <laughs> he was freaking out about it, and he was freaking out yeah. about it in the ways that I keep hitting on with music of going. I didn't know you could do that, and to see yes. this guy who was at the time, I think in his 40s, uh, yeah. had been radically successful, going. Oh my God! What, what, like you know, he he had the kindest things to say right. about it. and He was just like, I want to take him yeah. on tour. I want to do this. I want to do. That. And I was like, oh, Okay, Trent Reznor's in the Grizzly Bear. They were kind of weird, and uh, and then and then yeah, what that record was yeah. in my opinion a big step up too.
0: Um, but yeah, yeah. It, yeah, I can't I can't go back to Yellow House. I've loved everything since mm. that record. Um, yeah, but one of the so the big one. of Chris actually didn't like grizzly bear though. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But one of the records that they introduced me to that like really like was a bit of like a sea change to me was shoot. What's the name of the cryptograms by deer hunter deer hunter. Yeah. Which like the first half of that record is like, is an ambient record that like songs sort of like stumble into and then stumble out of. And yeah, there's
1: like a block of about three to four songs in the middle that it is hard to tell yeah. the difference. Right. Like there are it, almost it, movements.
0: Yeah. So I, on vinyl it's like the, it's a two disc thing. And the first disc is just those, like just like the ambient one. And then the second disc is the pop songs at the end of the disc, and then the other Mm. side of that is an EP that they did. But I like sort of stumbled onto uh, I think I was like, it was on shuffle. I just had my iPod on shuffle and the Into the Sun or whatever like there's some song about walking into the sun that like I was like this is really good. Like what is this? Mm. And I went and I started the album from the beginning. I was like this is incredible. Like how can I find more of what this is? And that's when I was like I you know, look up all the reviews for it, see what people are talking about it and Pitchfork is of course talking about like oh yeah, this shoegaze album. And I'm like what is shoegaze? Tell me more about in <laughs> that like it got me got me more into like like finally to give the deep dive into like my bloody valentine mm-hmm. which i had previously like known the name always confuse them for bullet for my valentine <laughs> oh my god same. everybody I, everybody all the time you say
1: that is therapeutic because yeah. no uh, everybody bloody, i was like for my buddy valentine my i just always
0: mix them up to my head because they're both just guitar bands yeah. that
1: i didn't listen to right
0: so Um, and I had previously one time in college like had I had seen a copy of Loveless at one of my used stores and I was like okay let me hear what this sounds like and like looked it up on YouTube or whatever and I didn't like it and so I passed up this $15 copy of a record that later I would be wishing for like why isn't there a copy below $75 Uh, or at that nowadays $300 I've had two copies of Loveless by now but like that like really like got me to dig into like you know uh and then from there um just other like ambient noise stuff, like uh, Flying Saucer Attack is another band that was like name dropped in that Cryptograms review that I was like, ooh, let me check this out. And it's like this vi- like very DIY, like the-, the jacket spine says home taping is saving music on the side of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like, it's just one guy like playing songs on an acoustic guitar with the reverb and delay turned all the way up with like just this weird feedback. Like there's one song that has any percussion on it and it's twelve minutes long. And just like is like this looping sort of thing. I want to say like <laughs> during cause I saw Deer Hunter
1: um also at Pitchfork Festival, also on tour for an earlier, less acclaimed
0: record, the uh Crypt wait, no. Microcastle?
1: No, Cryptograms. Sorry. Yeah,
0: Okay. Yeah, Cryptograms was the first like big one. You're right. I'm mixing them up. Um, I saw the tour for
1: cryptograms and the weed singer who na- I now have a ton of love and respect for and think he's a you know, great singer yeah. songwriter guy. Uh, he comes out in a nun outfit. Uh, <laughs> and he
0: had, I, I sometimes gloves, miss weird Bradford Cox yeah,
1: gloves on, uh, like, and, uh, uh dangling off of the glove. It was like a string off the front of the glove and then little like puppets or marionettes or whatever. Awesome. And he barely played guitar and just wandered around the stage and was just weird. (laughs) And this is again, cryptograms. And that record is maybe less technically, uh, you know, impressive. And I was like, I don't know about this. And um, I didn't really like it. and then when Microcastle came out it was the one that, yeah. that I went whole week out. But uh, I want say that, that so, so during this window, what's happening in music is, um, I, I gotta jump back to junior high real quick because I electronic and uh, edgy electronic music was around, and I, I would throw even nine inch nails in there, like they were electronic yeah. adjacent. Um, there's stuff like Skinny Puppy and Industrial is exploding. And, yeah. And, you know, uh, Ministry has kind of been a thing. And at this, and, and then Prodigy, the, they were a really big band. Oh,
0: yeah. The, they had that song with Christopher Walken.
1: <laughs> no, that, you're thinking of Fat Boy Slim.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. I, sense, I, I, I always out. confuse them. Prodigy is the I edgy one. I confuse um, Okay.
1: But so Aphex Twin comes... Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, the big song that made Apex Twin blow up, at least here in in, in the States in my world, uh, was Come to Daddy, which is a very edgy, very almost new metal aggressive song. <laughs> and the video is like very scary and weird and whatever. Yeah. And so I was at my friend's house in, in in like seventh grade and he was like, oh, you got to hear this Apex Twin EP, uh, the Come to Daddy EP, it's really good. And yeah. He plays, you know, sort of listens to "Come to Daddy," and the second film on that, uh, this the second film, the second track on that EP is called "Film." Yeah, and "Film" was groundbreaking to me, and this will segue into the right. next. one I'm talking about, where it it's the most opposite of aggressive it it sounds like an electronic warm blanket on. It, it is the sonic version of being curled up in a warm blanket. On a couch, sipping tea on a rainy day. Yeah, and it just hugs you. And I was like, "Oh my god!" And so, uh, I listened to as much Apex tone as I could uh, in junior high, and then I kind of completely fell off of electronic music. Full circle comes around. Dubstep starts becoming a thing. Uh, This is like
0: pre Skrillex dubstep. (laughs) Oh, like Burial. Burial. The good, not the Burial, the (laughs) metalcore band.
1: Just burial. Uh, I was with my buddy uh, again, mentioned Evan, and he's like, Have you heard Burial on And I was like, No, what's this? And he puts it on, and I was just like, That record's pretty great. Again, one of those moments where I'm like, Yeah, I didn't know you could do this. What is
0: this? And like, even with music that isn't actually doing anything. Yeah, and because it's like kind of like loping and looping, and like, it's, uh, I listened to that
1: records so much and that kind of got me back into and i got really into dubstep for a while and just which was almost all from the uk at that point and was just kind of you know i go through phases where i was like okay for a year i was a dubstep guy and i was you know really into uk uk (laughs) garage as they say and uh all that stuff and but then that got me back into apex twin and really digging into um his select ambient works, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one specifically, which is maybe my most listened to record ever now, because I listened to it when I work (laughs) and it is, (laughs) I, yeah. So that was, you know, again, yeah. Dubstep did eventually blow up, did eventually become mainstream with Skrillex. And even then people were like, wow, this is weird and different, but it was digestible. But yeah, I remember being like trying to show people, um, Burial and, and Code Nine and
0: the Space yeah. Ape and people were like,
1: "What? Get out of here!" With yeah, this. <laughs> like, what is this? So,
0: <laughs> I I tried to buy Ambient Works one one time and messed up and thought that Ambient Works two was the good one. <laughs> I mean, they're both uh you know, good but, but Ambient Works very work, different. Ambi- right, Ambient Works one is like actually like. Got beats and like rhythms and things like that. Ambient Works Two is like, uh, yeah, it's like thirty second snippets of like, here's the noise I would make if I was scoring a horror movie. (laughs) Then just like very like juxtaposed. And it's like now here's forty five seconds of a cloud Yeah, I here's another and it's like not
1: loving Ambient Works Volume Two as much.
0: Yeah, so I I need I sold that and I need to get Ambient Works One now, but. But yeah, that that was my yeah. kind
1: of gateway into. I had a big electronic, I was like non-guitar music moment, and right, right, right next to that is our friend noise, the noise genre. And yes. also during this time, there's a band whose name I can't say on our Queen podcast, but I'll say F Buttons. They had come yes. out, and I had fallen in love with them because uh,
0: that record's they're, so they're, good. Yeah, their first. Yeah,
1: I really liked them. But it was weird and uh, it was loud that? and it was uh these two guys just, you know, whatever and so I remember going and seeing them live. I got they, they played at like eleven PM on like a Wednesday in Detroit and I got off of work <laughs> at like ten o'clock, was still in my yeah. like barista outfit smelling like coffee. I changed the bathroom <laughs> and uh my friend Evan and my wife Lauren uh, or then, Girlfriend Lauren. We jump in the car, we drive down there, and I was the only fan. Too, they were just sort of like, whatever. We'll go with you to the show, and we go yeah. down there, and it's like me and like like twenty people, and yeah. Uh, but yeah, they they really oh op- f buttons really opened up my mind to noisier music, and then the natural week yeah. from there is getting into proper noise, which typically doesn't have a beat and uh right so I try, uh merzbow who is you know the the guy the king uh, he's the, the he's god the emperor of noise. noise and i can't yeah. i can't uh yeah. and, and noise yeah. music is maybe the most uh or the least accessible music genre it's in right. the name but yeah um i tried really hard to get into noise and i just couldn't i was just like i don't understand why this is track is good versus this, you know, I, right. uh, You know, (laughs)
0: there are, there are some, there's some noise that I can get into. Um, so I was reading the 33 and a third book on loveless and the author there is talking about how like he went on this journey to like discover anything that made him that feel the same way Hmm. that, or like anybody who like had the same, ethos of noise that Kevin Shields did mm-hmm. and he talks about this record called uh, Wavefield by Raphael Torral who is an Italian artist uh, and he the story that Raphael tells is that he saw Nirvana at a club with really crappy acoustics and he could barely even hear the songs and he was just like really upset and like angry at it but then he starts paying attention to like what is going on in the reverberations in this really terrible room Mm -hmm. and so then he gets a Fender Jaguar and plugs it into an amp and just turns it up until it starts feedbacking and just records what happens when like he messes with Mm -hmm. different effects on there and it's like 40 minutes of this just Kind of like, and it gets beautiful at a Mm -hmm. point like where it's uh, and is more like concerned about the sound of the room than necessarily the sound of the music. Which is, I will sometimes put that on and like kind of vibe out to it and just like kind of zone out, but like it's not like a you know. Easy listening for sure, but it's also not like harsh noise. Um, yeah, like I, I, I can't, I can't get with like any of the harsh noise. I've tried about once a year. I'll go.
1: <laughs> Let me revisit Merzbow's yeah. Pulse Demon, which is his big seminal album. And I put it on, and and after five minutes of walking around and going, I can't tell the difference between this part and the beginning of the track. Yeah, and I just turn it off. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's again, like I, as far, you know, um, like another band, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention that was big for me when I, uh, I discovered them in high school, just cause you know, much like you were talking about trying to bring home a record to yeah. scare your roommate or make them go, what in the world is this? Uh, one of the records that always comes up is Captain Beefheart, Trout Mask Oh Replica. yeah. Like, like that is... That is the sort of gold standard of, hey, let me weird my friends out with this. Yeah. And I remember some blog or message where I don't know how I discovered it, but I downloaded that record and it just, it, it stuck with me and I've, I have come to a place where I do genuinely enjoy that record, but it was more a yeah. novelty for a while. Like, yeah, uh, much like the first daughter's record for a long time. Was almost a novelty more than a record. You just put it on, and be like, "Hey, what do you think of this band?" You're, or the Locust yeah. is another example of you know, the <laughs> grindcore. Of just it was almost yeah. less about liking the music and more about can you believe
0: people are doing this? Um, yeah. And so yeah. one of one of the records that's like that for me is, do you remember Danielson? Uh huh. Dan. So Danielson uh, or Danielson Famille. Or Daniel, Brother Danielson. So it's the project of this guy, Daniel Smith. Okay. Uh, he was on Tooth and Nail. And he has, like, the weirdest singing voice of all time. And it's, like, his delivery is all, like... Like, like even more than, like, the Mountain Goats? Oh, yeah. What? It's, okay. like, this very high-pitched, like, almost like if Tiny Tim was a punk rocker. Um like I would try to, I would try to. Imp- I'll, I'll, I'm gonna try to impersonate it, giving like a little like warning to yeah. anybody listening to this. It was like, and the man said, bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> like that's like what this is. And I, <sighs> I like would casually listen to this. At a like I, I, I enjoy it. I, I really yeah. do enjoy it. But there is one time where I was listening to some song off of uh, Try Danielson. Was this big double record that he released and okay i was i I was listening to it in my earbuds and my friend matt metzger came up to me and i like take out an earbud and i like give it to him and he could like gets like the smile on his face like all right let's hear what you're gonna and like his face just like melts into horror and he takes it out and hands it back to me and says why would you do that to me
1: those moments are so fun when you are genuinely enjoying <laughs> something but you are aware yes that yes yeah, yeah. it's going to freak yeah, other I, yeah. other people yeah. like yeah i i just got I still this thing at never ending joy out of introducing somebody to um, uh, captain beefheart <laughs> uh, and just being like look
0: you, you just I accept still, that this is a big deal. Yeah. I still have not given that album much time. I like know its place culturally, but I'm like, it yeah. can, it can stay there. It can, it can stay over there. No, but that's fine. Yeah. Like,
1: I mean, yeah, you don't, I mean, you don't gotta absorb everything, right. but yeah, that, that was, yeah, that, that moment when you, you're enjoying something, but you're also like, if anybody else heard this, it right <laughs> would be, you know, right. But it, it, it that's the thing is when you do, I think that's why I love shows and concerts so yeah. much because, um, right. We, we've, we've talked, it's, it's not isolated. We've talked about, uh, well, let's, let's pick on Zayo. If you right. were to ask a hundred people in the grocery store, if they've heard of Zayo, uh, 99 <laughs> or a hundred of them would say, no, when you go to a Zayo show yeah, 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 and yeah. there's a ton of other people, who are there, who this band has meant a lot to them. They know all of the lyrics. Uh, they maybe have had their own, their religious journey might've even mirrored right. some of the band members. Right. That's a big part of it too. You feel less alone and you feel, and so that's what so much right. of what live yeah. music is for me is going there and seeing, you know, for me, the first time, like seeing the blood brothers yeah. live and going,
0: Oh, other people like, okay, yeah. this
1: record has sold more than one copy. yeah, yeah Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm
0: not alone. So one of my favorite things is local noise shows okay or local experimental shows. And so I have a, I have a good friend here in town named Pat Quigley who, uh, he is in my ska band with me. He's also in a post rock band called Analecta. Um, that, and he's actually supposed to be recording his drum parts for a split that his say, Analecta and Spaceships, my band, are putting what, out. What's his name? Uh, Pat Quigley. Right, Pat, uh, if you're listening, better. You should have recorded those drum parts already. <laughs> yes. Uh yeah, it's been a month since I said that, man. Why aren't they still recorded? Um but so uh so he has a an ambient project called Sailbear that is just like him messing with synth stuff and there was one iteration called Sailbear 56k which was him Remixing the dial-up noise in real time, <laughs> like while, like, the, like when you're signing on to actual dial-up yep. internet. Yes, okay. yes, okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. While <laughs> his friend Chad read excerpts from spam emails, and that was one of the best performances I've ever witnessed in my life. <laughs> there is also there is also a show that he he uh, is the booker at one of my favorite venues here in town, The Well. Uh, And there is one show from a a noise project called Ancient Witch, I believe it was. And it was one guy with a guitar and a whole bunch of pedals. And he like, I don't think ever played any like lines on the guitar. He's just using it to make noise. Mm -hmm. And then another guy with a microphone, a huge speaker and like a 16 channel mixer. And I don't think he had any other effects that he's running it through. He's just got like, the mixer patched into itself a bunch of times. And it is just like it just makes feedback and like oscillates it with the with the mixer. And then at one point he's like punching a hole in the speaker with the microphone and like bloodies up his knuckles while this is happening. It's like the most chaotic thing ever. And I look over at Pat and he's like just got the biggest grin on his face. <laughs> I'm like, this is so
1: there's something about even if you're not sonically enjoying something seeing somebody do something weird yeah. is yeah. um it's it's like you know Nir, Nirvana was the band that most of America saw destroy their own gear for the first time
0: right? right and well the jokes about the who had been in public er, well, parlance for sure, so long sure. but nobody had done I, it I it, had, stand corrected. it had been a, it had been like just the who for so long yeah, I'm just thinking of
1: they. I think it was, I don't know it was SNL or Letterman or something, but you know, there's quite famous bit where they just completely destroy their yeah. gear at the end, and that was, uh, you know, even if it got people what like whether or not you liked the music, everybody yes. had to talk about yes. hey that weird new band yeah. destroyed you know thousands of dollars of gear right. on TV, and uh, you know, it's it's. It's something, yeah. you know. Yeah, I I wanted to. to the, the last little bit of my journey, and, and I'm kind of, again, boring now, but. Uh, <laughs> and this gets back into uh, my friend Mike uh, Chayefsky. Uh, he recommended Peter Brotzman's machine gun to me. Peter Brotzman is an avant garde jazz mm. uh, saxophonist. And his record machine, he has a bunch of records, but his record machine gun was. Is you know, I don't I don't know if it's a magnum opus, but it's the most famous one I've heard of. It came out in da, 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 68. So when you part of why I think machine gun was so eye-opening for me is because it is 1968. Yeah. I'm just going, wait, the Beatles just became, like we're just America or the world is just discovering like very easily accessible, recorded yeah. music. Like going to the record store and buying a, a record and being able to play it in your home was still right. a relatively newer thing. And what he's doing is so insane and subversive and out there.
0: Um I I, I was just more floored yeah. by that it exists. Yeah and, 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 <laughs> and, and we'll say <laughs> and we'll say here that like jazz in terms of experimentation was way ahead of rock and roll mm-hmm. for a long time for a long while so like by the time we get to like 1970 like Miles Davis has already released in a silent way mm. at that point which is really like probably the first example of ambient music put to tape Uh and then like 1970 is when he released so that was 69 that that record came <laughs> out and then okay. 1970 bitches Brew" is out but like free jazz has already been a thing mm-hmm. so like uh John Coltrane has already been making these incredible incredible albums of just like this chaotic like f- noise this like free jazz that like then like people like the birds are hearing and writing songs like 8 Miles High and stuff like that and like in like so jazz's weirdness is what's influencing like psychedelic rock and prog rock and stuff like that which is yeah. like such a weird thing to think like the stuff that we're like, oh man, this is wild, but like, and like all these punk bands, like their energy that they have is like it's already existed in jazz, yeah, for thirty years. By the time Nirvana comes out, you know, <laughs> I still
1: uh, I'm a big Miles Davis fan and and have done my my homework with him, and I have tried so I hard to get into uh,
0: Bitches Brew. I love Bitches, and Brew. I can't.
1: It gives me a headache. Like uh, I literally,
0: I have to be in a mood that for that
1: record. It. Literally gives yeah, me I a headache, to... and people will be like, "Oh, it's it's game changing. It's life changing." And I'm like, "I'm sure it is, <laughs> but
0: fusion is not for me." And I yeah. literally
1: get a headache listening to that record.
0: I so there's a very particular brand of jazz fusion that is like there's a point where fusion realized, "Oh, we're doing funk." <laughs> And I, I'm not into that fusion, but like the fusion before that, when it's like Bitches Brew and all of the albums that like Miles Davis's backing band were writing at the same time. So like mm-hmm. Maha Vishnu Orchestra, that first album, which is like very like Indian influences and like Joe Zawano was like, so everybody talks about Chick Corea and Herbie Hancock, but like mm-hmm. the third and probably more important Keys player in that band was Joe Zawanol, who's a Hungarian immigrant. Okay. <laughs> I <laughs> Who, like, never grew heard the name. He is. He wrote the song in a silent way. Okay, um, but he has one album that is called Zowanl that is absolutely incredible and might be like my favorite fusion record. But he was, he also went on hmm. to form Weather Report. Uh, and so like, and also weather report. I pretty sure my father turned me
1: on to weather report and I listened to it
0: probably once and said, the first, the first (laughs) weather report record I really (laughs) love, but then they just like became funk and I'm like not as into that. And like, which is also how I haven't like, I've listened to everybody's projects from the miles Davis electric crew, Mm -hmm. but I have never gotten into Tony Williams (laughs) Hmm. and I was like, no, it's a funk record, whatever. Um, but like I'm, Herbie Hancock's Mwandishi project um like he had three albums Wandishi Sextant and Crossings that are just like really ele- like focused a lot like really synth based and really ambient based okay. that are like he recorded around the same time as like Between in a Silent Way and uh Live Evil and that's like some of my favorite stuff
1: So um, I say what uh I want to try to segue into maybe less experimental avant garde, non mainstream stuff that we're listening to now. And the latest for me uh, is that a composer named Ryuichi Sakamoto. Yeah. And I saw the film The Revenant. And one, uh, I absolutely love that movie. That movie is divisive. Some people are like, "Uh, it's boring. He just gets attacked by a bear. I've watched (laughs) it like five times i absolutely love the revenant it's it's my jam but the music like such a huge part of that film is the music and so yeah. i left the theater going that soundtrack was haunting like yeah. just that soundtrack is like depression in sound <laughs> and i uh so i go to work whatever i'm working in tsh- Sure enough, it pops up in my recommended list. And I'm like, yeah Ravenous soundtrack. Okay, who's it? Ryuichi Sakamoto. Okay, whatever. And so I start playing it. And I listen to the soundtrack for a few days while I work. And I start digging into the guy. And he's been doing work for a very famous composer been doing work for a ton of years. Yeah. And he's made a ton of soundtracks. And I got really into his so he has some original like he has some soundtracks, he has some original work, and he is all over the place. Like the man is wildly talented, but he's also not above the experimental like he yeah. will record rain falling on a symbol you know <laughs> which you can argue oh that doesn't take talent
0: sure so he has that's all the, the i i think we've come he, a long time uh, far enough in this podcast where we can say that's not the point yeah that's not the point <laughs> that's um, not the point
1: i fell in love with the ryuji sakamoto and that uh getting into him um and finding out that he composed what I think is one of the most beautiful songs, uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, which was from a film starring David Bowie called Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't know the track, look it up. It is uh, one of the most beautiful piano pieces. But uh, he, that was a stepping stone into Boris for me because yeah. I got okay. in 2018, I got really into, or 20, sorry, 16, 15, something like that. I got really into Ryuji Sakamoto. And then uh, found out that he had worked with some of the Boris guys and blah blah, and then Mersbo. And there's this whole group of people. Yeah. And I was like, all right, maybe I should try this Boris record again. And got really into Boris Pink, uh, yeah. which is maybe their most accessible, but I got really into them. And then Boris has a lot of collaborations with Mersbo of varying intensity. But yeah, on a yeah. podcast, I think our third episode, I do recommend their. Um, collaboration together, and despite being avant-garde and noise, it's very pleasant to listen to, and Yeah, so that's, I don't know, that's sort yeah. of where I'm at right now, is just listening to a lot of uh, stuff that came out of my discovery of Ryuichi, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I apologize if I'm saying it wrong, uh, Sakamoto, and uh, yeah, it's just really uh, pleasant experimental mm-hmm. music, I would say. Yes.
0: yes. Uh, I, I have gone on the, on a thing, so since uh, since discovering Sunbather, mm-hmm. I have destroyed the idea that heaviness and beautiful are opposites. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it used to be like, you know, a band has like the heavy parts and then they have the pretty parts. But then it's like, oh, like there's a, there's a particular brand of like heaviness that can be very gorgeous and very beautiful. And so mm-hmm. that's really where like, that brought me to like where my tastes are now. Sunbather is probably the most influential um foundational record for like where my tastes are where my tastes have gone now or like so i am spending an awful lot of time listening to like doom gaze and post metal and sludge which like for a long i I resisted sludge metal for a long time thinking that it was just like of course you'd think like oh it just sounds like really ugly name is not appealing right, but then you're like <laughs> oh you listen to mouth of the architect and isis and you're like oh this is gorgeous this is incredible it's like quietly by mouth of the architect is one of the most beautiful records i've ever heard and it is just sludgy um i mean I- isis is is one of those uh, I love Isis so much
1: I, it was, oh one or oh two i went to a small little indie festival called um Michigan Fest in Michigan, in the oh. suburbs of Michigan, and headlining uh, one of the nights was Death Camp for Cutie, and they they were the headliners, and they wow. were nobodies. Like yeah. they had just come out with We Have the Facts, and wow. like they were nobodies. Hey Mercedes had just come out with their first record. They were headlining a or no, and they were playing right before the. Uh, day two headliner, which was ISIS. It's so weird. What a <laughs> and weird then festival. I didn't go day, th- I don't remember, but it was, it was, yeah, it was very like uh, a small brown bike yeah. and there's a lot oh, of man. very, you know, you might know them, but they're, they never yeah, really yeah, exploded yeah. other than death cab. Yeah. And so I'm there and it's a lot of indie rock and like, there were some like, Cap and Jazz guys there and whatever <laughs> doing different stuff and hey Mercedes is there and I am yeah. excited to see Hey Mercedes and so yeah. they play and I am glowing and it's this this is this fun rock performance and they get done and the next band is Isis. And I'm not even kidding you. It was like a flock of goths moved to the stage. <laughs> it's like all of us in colorful in Had emo it. t-shirts and whatever. They yeah. start backing up and all these goth kids just get right up. To, and it's like, okay, what is this? And they get their ISIS sets up and ISIS starts. And then they just go, gong, gong, that slow judging, And everybody's just slowly head banging and yeah. you know, got the devil horns in the air. And I'm like, what <laughs> is this? So I watched ISIS and I was like,
0: I can vibe with this maybe, but it was just such a yeah. so, okay. experience. 0203, so o- had Oceanic come out at that point yet? I don't... I think it would either just come out or was about to. It was... Okay, okay. I don't remember. Because that's... Um, Panopticon is really the album that got me there. And I'm of the mind that either the two records after Panopticon are just as enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I, I love both of those records um but and like oceanic i can i can get with oceanic now but it took a while for me to like go back to it i still can't do the do the ep the red is it red sea i believe i still i want to say oceanic was out at the time because
1: they had two records that they were selling there yeah okay yeah it was just such a hysterical experience to me because it was me and, and everybody else going who's this band what and it was like all the goth kids that had That's amazing. To see that's amazing. Again, there's only like a hundred people at this yeah. Little, little, yeah, air quotes festival.
0: So yeah, so stuff like that, like Doomgaze. I'm real big into Doomgaze now. Like Holy Fawn is in, an incredible band. They like released. They've been around for a while. They have an mm-hmm. LP that came out in 2014. That's not as heavy or as good, uh, but then 2019. 2018, uh, they released an album called Death Spells, which is just the most I like that title. Uh, he- Like heavy and crushing and blissful thing on there. It is like almost as if they are their songwriting process is just how pretty can we make this? How heavy can we make this? And just like juxtaposing the two. It's incredible. There's also a band like because again like you always are looking for like what the bands you're into are into. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so getting into like Holy Fawn and Spotlights and Som is another like great doom gaze band that I've never uh, gotten
1: any, I never really listened to any of those. Uh,
0: Spotlights is out. incredible. Um, Psalm is an is SOM. They're uh, members of Caspian are in that. Uh, they played post fest as well. is where I discovered them, but okay. Um, so that like got me on a black hole that got me into a band called Angelic Process, which is I think the first band that anybody called Doomgaze. Hmm. But it's like very sludgy, very like very thick, atmospheric. It's like not well recorded necessarily. But I'm just like, just, I mean, most early right. uh, black metal which comes right. out of that was recorded oh, on like. Cause,
1: cause yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I was like, okay. But it's like,
0: but they, they had an album called, oh, I was just listening to it today. What's it called? Um, Weighing souls with sand. And it's just like this. Oh man, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like, I've played it. And when Michelle has been around and she's like, what is this? It, this is so bad. Like, why are you listening? And I'm like, I just really love this. I just <laughs> really love this. Um, the, but, yeah. the but that's like where my where my like current state of like I have no idea what's like appropriate for like a a, ma- a mainstream yeah like I don't like I'll put on like Palms which is like the Deftones Chino Marino with three members of ISIS and I'm like this is nice this is chill and then people are like what is this heavy <laughs> I'll never forget we were
1: <laughs> we were hosting a, a, we were at my buddy We were hosting. We were at my buddy Eric's house New Year's Eve. Very chill party, and there was no music on. And Lauren goes, uh, "Hey, like, put some." He had a Bluetooth speaker. Hey, can I put some music on? So she does, and she just puts on uh, like Blood Brothers, uh, (laughs) "Burn, Piano, Island, Burn." It's one of her favorite records. Yeah, and like within a minute, one of the dudes is like. What who what, what it Lauren? What is this? like? You have to turn this off. Like this is we are trying to chill, and so then we just went on the Spotify and put on like um you know New Year's Eve playlist or something, and yeah. you know played like Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus or something, and we're like okay, <laughs> you know, but to yeah. again, like to my ears, I can enjoy you know a Taylor Swift song and. Uh, you know I'm not like oh I can oh this is great this is brilliant this is beautiful and then I can you know put on um, yeah like a Palms song yeah. and just go wow yeah. this is also beautiful and there's no mental
0: shift for me like it just right. blends oh, together yeah. um, or Lantlos is another band like that where like it's just like super crushing but like this is really pretty and I'll put it on and like I'll will have people over and I've just got it on like what? Is, why is this so loud? <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget my buddy. He's really into
1: Godspeed, you black emperor. And we had a oh, Thanksgiving. Man. That's a things- casual. We had Thanksgiving. Nice casual listening. With his parents. He's super kind. <laughs> we have Thanksgiving in San Francisco. We're transplants. We don't have any family yeah. here. His family, uh, well, he's not like, they were close enough that they could drive like a couple hours. Sure. And he's hosting. So it's me, him, his girlfriend, parents, blah, 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 blah. And he puts on <laughs> the background music, just gets up the vinyl for uh, uh, whatever that record is with the falling bombs on the cover. Oh, uh, Yankee yeah. FXO. Sounds or something. Like, yes. Yeah. He puts that on. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Boy, <laughs> Really And he's like, yeah, don't you like Godspeed? I was like, I do. It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> and like, sure enough, within a minute or so, his mom was like, can
0: you? Can we put on something? What is this? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I put on I put on Alcest one time, just like when my mom is hanging out. I put on Kodama. Kodama by Alcest. And this is like another one of those things that is just like drilled into my head of like how like normal people just don't get stuff like this. And my mom says <laughs> And Kodama is a beautiful record, but he starts screaming and she goes, oh, are you still listening to Screamo? <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, parents. And I'm like, that's not Screamo, mom. This is black gaze. It's like
1: parents calling every uh, video game system a Nintendo. Yes. And it's just it's like, that. it's the Nintendo. And you're like, every yes. time they scream, it's Screamo. Sure. Yes, sure. exactly. Um, um
0: all right, yeah. we have gone on <laughs> long. There it has been r- a long episode. I've had a blast. <laughs> we're though. there. It's great. I love. There's still so much that we still could have gotten into. Know, that we have not. Like, I, I. There's whatever. a bunch of stuff in our list we're skipping over, but whatever. Yes. Um, I didn't talk about the post-punk at all. Wait, can I? We'll can get I, there. We have a whole episode about CBGB. Can I be pretentious
1: and, ra- and wrap this up with my second quote I put in here? Oh, sure. So, again, another Carl Elvin Oscar quote, same block of text from earlier. And he gets into, again, talking about why he's so drawn to music, yeah. and particularly um, challenging and weird music. Uh, and he says, furthermore, it, it being being into interesting and obscure Mm -hmm. music. Furthermore, it made me someone, of course, thanks to music. I became someone who was at the forefront, someone you had to admire, Mm. not as much as you had to admire those who made the music admittedly. But as a listener, (laughs) I was in the Vanguard. Yeah. Uh, I love that quote because that is, that is that feeling of when you discover something and especially if it's obscure and you like it, you feel like you have a secret. You feel like I, I, Have discovered something. You know, as we grow and mature, and hopefully don't gatekeep, you maybe get out of that headspace. But there's still something special about listening to being on the bus with headphones on and being Oh yeah.
0: I'm definitely the only one on this bus listening to this weird, you know, whatever. My my thing has been like if I can introduce someone to something that changes their life. (laughs) You know, and so like I because for so much of my youth, because like again, I was listening to like Aaron Jeffrey, Rich Mullins, and Weird Al. Like those are the CDs I had.
1: <laughs> I haven't heard the Rich Mullins. Wow. I knew him, I knew him personally. He was great. I think we can confidently say uh, we're the only podcast to talk about like Deaf
0: Heaven and Rich Mullins. I think I think we were literally I, only music. Podcast. I don't know about that, but definitely Mersbo and Rich Mullins. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I, and I still unironically love Rich Mullins. Like we, he was a family ah. friend. Um, like he would pop into my church for a while, long while. I just thought he was a guy from my church. Oh, <laughs> it was like that's you, like, like how frequently he would, was. No, like I didn't know bigger. until like middle school and stuff. Mm. And when he passed away, like is almost almost when I realized what a big deal he mm. was was when he when he passed away. Um, but no, so like. To go from there and like being the guy that like my best friends like showing me all this music, be like, oh, this is what you got to care about. To then like have that role reversal to be like, okay, now I'm the one that's like digging up the the, mm. the gold and like sharing it with you. Um, that has been like a pretty like that feeling. I will chase that feeling all the time. Uh, and a, and a lot of that role reversal, especially between Travis and I in high school, is because. I got internet before he did, <laughs>
1: <And> so <laughs> this is a game changer. If, if you were a young right. person listening, please understand that pre-internet getting music was
0: impossible. It was impossible. I mean, you had, you to, had to go to this. You, yeah, you had to go buy a CD.
1: <laughs> and oh, you didn't and I know meant to if bring this up. It. You didn't right. even know.
0: Right, and so I was going to bring this up when you were talking about Aphex Twin. But mm-hmm. for such a long time, the only interaction I had with Aphex Twin was. Seeing the cover for Window Liquor at Best that, Buy and being that like, is a bold cover." <laughs> it's like, and being a like, what cover. is this?" <laughs> like, I don't know what that is, but I want it away from me. And if anyone <laughs> it doesn't is know, very if, upsetting. If anyone doesn't know the cover, it is his face, which he's not a conventionally attractive guy, uh, and, and he's and definitely he does super grin.
1: Yeah, it's like almost modified. He yeah, has this he's a super evil it's grin. It's definitely
0: like a like a. Um, what's it? The, the Kubrick angle is definitely the Kubrick angle. And like this creepy face that he's making Photoshopped onto like a bikini model. Mm -hmm. And it's just the most off putting (laughs) cover I've ever seen. But that was what Apex twin
1: illustrated, uh, you know, super uh, buxom woman posing beautifully. And then you're like from afar, you're like, Ooh, Who's what's that
0: babe? That? And then you're like, oh. he's got a beard, he's <laughs> got the Kubrick angle, he's got this weird space. He
1: he's used his face on almost all
0: his stuff would
1: yeah. to which I love. Like he's yeah. just been like uh I mean, even the come to daddy video is a bunch of little girls running around yes. and they With have his face. face. Yes. It is just so disarming. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh yeah. Anyways, uh
0: uh uh We should wrap this up. Nat. Yeah. What is your pick for this week? What do you... My, my pick for this week, um, so there is a band called, or was a band called School of Seven Bells and started out as these twin sisters who I forget what band they were in. Uh, I think their name, they're the Hezra sisters, I believe. Okay. Um, but then they were in a band with a guy named Benjamin Curtis who used to be in a band called Secret Machines. Which I mostly only know from people being like, "Oh yeah, School of Seven Bells." The guy from Secret Machines in there. Hmm. I've never um, heard any of those. But so I was super. They're like a shoegaze, dream pop, electronica thing. Uh, I was really into their first two records. I really enjoyed their third record. Uh, so one of the sisters left after I think the second record. Uh, it might have been after the third record. It might have been after the first record, but. Um, so it's been just like the two, like one of the sisters and this guy, Ben Curtis. And, uh, I did hear, I, 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 I stopped paying attention after a bit. Uh, but I did find out, I did hear that he had passed away, Mm -hmm. uh, around 2015 or so. And I was listening to them again, the last few weeks and discovered that they had released an album after his death, Hmm. uh, that like was, stuff that he had started demoing and some like tracks that he had put together and they were in the middle of it when he died and then the other girl in the band decided to finish it and put it out and that album is called SV11B SVIIB which is like the School of Seven Bells uh, shorthand
1: Okay, yeah that's like the shorthand
0: for School of Seven Bells but like they put this record out and it's really delightful and really really bittersweet there's a lot of you know a lot of the songs are dedicated to okay. his memory and uh it's just as catchy and great as the stuff they had before that I loved and uh has a, it's good it's a good record i'm i came out in 7 2016 and i missed it somehow so now i'm making up for lost time it's on music uh, my pick
1: uh, sticking with the obscure and avant-garde pick a really obscure and avant-garde record uh, no I'm kidding <laughs> my, reg- uh, my pick this week is really pedestrian uh, it is Olivia Rodrigo's Sour uh, she's yeah. the latest teen girl star pipeline to adult yes. uh, whatever uh, and Cause she was on a Disney Channel show right I don't know I think okay. I'm assuming it could be Disney or go, And I don't know. Yeah. Cause I'm an old, she is man. 18. <laughs> um, yeah. So she came out with this record. sour, big hit. And I had enough, I had enough people going, yo, this is actually good actually. And yeah. so I listened to her single driver's license and found it genuinely moving and beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and I've listened to the record a bunch of times and it's just fun. It's still, you know, even at 36 hearing a 17 year old say, uh, you know, f this. Don't tell me what to do. I'm tired of adults <laughs> nagging. Uh, I'm right there. I'm right there with yeah. her. And I'm yeah. Uh, and it's a great record. And she can yeah. sing really well. And it's definitely uh, you know, it's a lot more edgy than a lot of the pop stuff that yeah. comes out in I, terms of at least a lyrical. because she she swears a little bit.
0: Ooh. Um. So I, I, yeah, I, I, I heard some I heard some Nirvana comparisons. I don't know really? if that's. I don't. Yeah, I don't. It might have been like Seventeen magazine or something. I, I can, Seventeen magazine is actually at the vanguard of like <laughs> teaching them and uh, teenage girls teen, to be Teen
1: Vogue is famous. Yeah. Like teen, oh, pretty, that's the one. Teen Vogue. Okay, teen Vogue. Right, yeah. Teen Vogue is like they they uh, they have a very hilarious interview with Bernie Sanders. They're, that's really yeah.
0: Funny. Teen Vogue's <laughs> character arc has been incredible to watch. It has been really incredible, uh, but no, I think it might have been somebody like just talking like maybe aesthetically about <clears throat> like attitude wise. Oh, totally. But yeah. I, I definitely heard, I definitely heard somebody compare Al- Al- Olivia Rodrigo to Nirvana. Yeah, that's um, uh, it's good. No, teams. I, I was impressed. I was impressed with her SNL performance a few months ago. I didn't see it. I think it was last season. They like did a whole sketch about hmm. part uh, about driver's license. Okay, now, now I need of, like, to look this up. Yeah, it's a bunch of middle aged dudes at a bar talking about how good the song was. <laughs> okay. He looks like, cause I am that guy right now, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I haven't actually like spent any time with the record, but I, I should probably change that. It's good. I don't think
1: uh you're gonna I don't think your wife is gonna look over at you and go,
0: What the heck is what this? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> All right. She might she might be like, Why are you listening to this? <laughs> Don't you know this is a teenage girl? <laughs> um, well, Nat, as always, it has been yeah. the
1: best. Uh, yeah. This concludes our s- sibling episode to the pop episode, which is about yes. weird and avant
0: garde music. Yeah. All right. Let's well, see you later. See you, everybody. Thank you for listening to D2 Radio. This podcast is hosted and produced by Jesse Atkinson and Matt Fitzgerald, who apologize for their rambling, but they also won't adjust their behavior, so their apology should be taken with a grain of salt. If, for whatever reason, you want more, you can follow at Radio Pod on all socials and visit DetunedRadioPod.com. Someone, please, sponsor us.